Hi friends, welcome to the Mobile Bev Pros podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing mobile bar professionals with the information they need to succeed. I'm your host and fellow mobile bar owner, Sarah Murphy. Each episode, I'll be bringing you interviews, knowledge, anecdotes, or opinions with the goal of assisting you in building a profitable, sustainable, and scalable mobile bar business that will support the lifestyle you dream of. I'm excited for today's episode, so let's get started. On today's podcast, we are talking to Joel Black. Joel owns both Eventsinch and Black Lab Events out of LA. And I'm super excited for this topic because it's actually one of the questions I've been getting frequently from our members recently. And that is 1099 versus W2. And historically, mobile bars especially, we rely a lot on 1099 contractors. It is easy and it's just the way people have tended to always do it. And so that's the way it's done. But Joel, when I talked to you first, you had, I would say, a horror story about 1099s in the bar and event scene. And you being out in California, I think, have experienced what is probably the first of many states to adopt kind of this new policy. Uh, tell me, Tell me what the law says out in California now. Yes, it was not a fun experience uh, with that. Thanks for having me on, by the way. Absolutely. Um, so in Cali, I started like pretty much all of us bootstrapping my business from scratch. I was a bartender. People would call me and want me to do their events. And it literally just kind of started itself. So of course, the path of least resistance, you hire your buddies, you hire people that you've worked with, you put them on as a 1099 and, and you pay them that way. So that's how I started and operated for the first Four, maybe five years, Black Lab events, my, my event company is 10 years old at this point. And then we got audited by the EDD. A lot of people don't even know who the EDD is. That's the people who have given us all the unemployment money <laughs> for the past <laughs> few months. And, and when, when employees file for unemployment, that's who pays them out and deals with all of that. So I had one of my 1099 bartenders who had a full-time bartending gig, worked as a 1099er for other companies. He lost his full-time gig, and so he went to claim for unemployment. And they asked, you know, do you work for any other companies? And he said, yeah, I work here and there for Black Lab events, bartending from time to time. And that triggered everything for us. I still hire this guy to this day. He meant no ill will. He didn't know that anything was going to happen by doing it. Definitely wasn't his fault. We knew kind of going in with our accountants. They wanted us to go W-2. We said, no, everyone in this business does 1099. And so we kind of went with that because it's a lot cheaper to run a business with 1099 employees, especially that are working maybe once a month for you or twice a mm-hmm. month. Or I have an event in four months, so none of my people have worked. So the EDD reached out. And so essentially what, what it is in California, and I don't know if other states, they're a federal agency. So I know California protects the employees' rights a lot. But they reached out and said that we couldn't 1099 these people because mainly they're under our direction, um, because obviously our defense is, no, it's kind of like Uber. They show up, here's the address, they bartend, this and that. But we do give them bar tools, my company does, because we want all of our shakers and everything to be identical and not branded and and look good. And we give them the mixers and we do all the prep in our kitchen for ingredients and stuff. So they pretty much said, unless the bartender has an LLC, or at least a website, they're an employee. 
because then at least you can say, all right, they, they have their own business and they're coming and it's two businesses working together, essentially. So that's what we ran into. So I then got audited. I fought for every person that I've ever paid to be considered a 1099er because you have to pay a fine for every person for the existence that they were a 1099. So it starts to add up real quick. And long story short, they hit us with about a $20,000 fine. We went into a settlement process and ended up getting that down to 11. This whole process took three to four years. There's the slowest moving agency ever. So, but I'll tell you this, I'm not going to name companies' names, but four of my close colleagues' companies that I work with all have been audited now. And during my audit, I called them out and I said, look, you're fighting Uber and Lyft in court right now. So you're coming after small catering businesses because you know that they all 1099 and you're hitting us with these huge fines that would put most people out of business as a small business. This isn't right, what you guys are doing. And they didn't deny it. So it was pretty crazy. But that's kind of the long of the short of the story is, is it felt very much like I was being extorted. It wasn't like, well, let us help you. So then I had to go figure out W-2s and payroll. And I got with a not a great payroll company. They ended up started double charging us for payroll. And I took them to small claims court because they ripped us off for about 1500 bucks. I will mention that company name. Pinnacle Payroll. Do not use them. <laughs> so then we switched to ADP. And yes, you pay a bit more, but you get the security of knowing your payrolls are run properly. All the employee sign-up stuff and management and W-2s, the employees have their own portal. So it takes... When what you pay more, it'll take off in your... If you pay a bookkeeper or someone to handle your HR with ADP, it, it breaks even and you get... It's just a lot easier to manage with ADP. So that's who we use now. And, and I like them. Plus, they'll do your employee handbooks. They'll keep them up to date or even with COVID and everything. So it's a good thing, but it... It ain't cheap. And then you get into payroll taxes. So my margins went on, on staff from 45%, depending on the, the position in the role, about an average of a 45% profit margin down to 20. It cut, it cut in half, if not a little more than half my margin wow. to, to, to go W2. Wow. Well, I know that probably is a pit in everyone's stomach is listening right now because very Sorry. few, <laughs> very few outside of California who has been. I think for the most part, the mobile bar owners that I talk to in California have seen this coming. This is something that is just a part of doing business in California. And so they've already started, if not have already transferred all of their 1099s to W-2 positions. And I think also from that perspective, they have a little bit of protection because they can say the government's requiring this, right? Whereas when I break the news to my staff, it's going to be uncomfortable because they like the fact that it's 1099. They don't, it's easy for them to just take a 200 bucks here, 200 bucks there. And while I do actually keep track and 1099 them, it's such a small piece for them. There's no taxes taken out of it. And so that's how they're used to it being done. And so it's going to be a bit of a shift. But my personal opinion here is that California is the first, but they aren't the last. I think no. we're going to see that. And the reason I think that is because I did work in tech and I actually worked for Postmates. And Postmates is like Uber, a company that uses entirely 1099s. You sign up, you become a driver, a delivery person, you're a 1099. They don't provide much in the way of training or guidance. And they do that under the guise of, if we told you much more, you'd be an employee and you're not. 
you're a contractor. So we expect you to figure this stuff out because we expect per the guise of 1099 contractors, you're already capable of doing this task. And so they're the ones that, as you said, these rules are supposed to be... That's how they came to be was because the government's like, okay, everyone is a gig employee now and we're losing out on workers' comp. We're losing out on FICA. We're losing out on all of these taxes that people would that the employers and the employees would have to pay if they were actually employees. And so what the government does best is rally to make up those taxes. <laughs> and so and now with how much they've just paid out for COVID, you don't think they're gonna start coming after way more states and way more people way that's harder. Right. That's right. Like, it's low low-hanging fruit because everybody everywhere knows caterers, bartenders, event professionals. They use 1099. Yeah, and here's what bothers me because I'm not I'm not necessarily pro W two or even pro 1099. I see the things for both, but when you start coming after people for Uber and Postmates, like on our industry, I'm I'm on the fence. It is nice now having my employees covered with workers comp, and I don't have to worry about getting sued if they cut their finger off or do anything happens to them. I have a lot of corporate clients that now even require it, whereas four or five years ago they didn't require. They didn't care about your employees or not, but my, but now I have to show proof of workman's comp and I've had for some big corporate events. So you know, it's important for me to have it at the stage that we're at, but to take away and try to ruin the gig economy for people who use that to help just have a better lifestyle, especially in a day and age where it's not easy to get by. It is not easy to carve out a, a great living, especially as a small business owner. It just seems like it keeps getting harder and harder with more fines and more crap, that more bureaucracy that, that we have, hoops we have to jump through. So, I mean, I, I get the argument for both sides. And I honestly think there should be a model where it says, where it's revenue-based or, or how long you've been in business-based so people can still start small businesses from their home. I started Black Lab from my house. And grew it 10 years and have a staff of 60 people now and have kitchen managers and a great shared kitchen with uh, our sister company, LA Roots Catering. And uh, we've grown a big business, but I would never have been able to get to where I'm at now had I needed even 20000 to start this business when I was 23 years old. I didn't have $20,000 at 23. I barely had two sticks to rub together. I was a bar manager you know, at that point in my life. So, so I think there has to be some type of legislation. And, and, I, and I think that with Postmates and all of those, that needs to stay because that's extra money for people that, I don't know, I feel like really helps improve people's quality of life. And the government says, oh, well, we're here to just make sure we're in pre- we're protecting the employee is what they said. I go, no, you're taking away opportunity from people. You're not yeah. protecting them. Yeah. I mean, the devil's, devil's advocate position here, because I did work for Postmates and I did see the impact it had on people who were getting either a good portion of their money from Postmates, they just, that's what they did. They Postmated it because it was flexible. Maybe they were single moms and they like had someone else watching them only during certain parts of the day or whatever. Like I heard these stories because I managed the fleet that what made me sad was their inability to get health insurance, their inability to get benefits. They weren't saving for retirement. And now I will tell you all day long, I do not believe those are the responsibility of the employer. But in our society, that's the way it goes. So if it, in our society, if we're putting that burden on employers, and then we have a whole subset of individuals out there that are not traditionally employed, they're in a gap, right? And so 
They don't have access to the things that they need to have access to in order to live a life that's going to protect them from accident, disease, going into bankruptcy or retirement. Like we all got to do that someday. We can't, and some of us will live, work till we die, but at some point, you know, it's going to get Most hard. Most people in our industry will. I mean, what, 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 what <laughs> hospitality jobs come with 401k? You know, if you're not in management, but then you're missing out on tips and you get a low paying salary. And then, right. so if you have that, all right, I have the benefits. I have a salary that covers 75% of the lifestyle I want to live. Well, let me go Uber. Let me go right. make up that time. And back to for like when you're transitioning, because you mentioned, brought that up, like how the staff feels about that. That wasn't too tough for me. My staff understood. And, and with me and how I manage, I, I don't bullshit. I tell everyone what's going on, open, clear, transparent, quick communication. I never tell people to do something without telling them why, if it's something out of the norm for us, because that gives people direction. And plus, I like people that can take what I tell them to do and then do it better. And if they know why, they understand what I'm thinking. So maybe that gives them the opportunity to come up in a better way than I thought of. So, but they, I really stress like, hey guys, look, I'm paying half your taxes now. So that's good. Because you have to, you, they do have to claim their taxes for their unemployment at a 30% tax rate, I think it is, for 1099 work. So I tried to give them all the upside benefits and then empathized with them. And uh, I didn't have any turnover though. So that was good. That's actually really clutch because it could be a hard conversation in, the, in a lot of places. But again, I think using, using some reason there where like, look, I'd keep you 1099 if I could, but this is something that we are going to have to transition to from a legal perspective or or whatever, I think certainly helps giving them the why. Absolutely. The other positive thing about this, I think, is that for a long time, there's been this question and it's kind of the skeleton that mobile bar companies have in our closets and nobody really wants to talk about or explain is that liquor liability does not extend to contractors. So if you have liquor liability insurance, it literally covers you, the owner. And, and, yeah, and the and guests. The guests. Yeah. yeah. But nobody else. And even the yeah. guests should have their own. The hosts should have their own liquor liability. Because they're oh. the ones, at least here, we're, we're buying the alcohol. Unless you're doing a cash bar, which not everyone is licensed to do. So dram shop law, which is common in most states, it's whoever purchased the actual alcohol that would have the, the greatest amount of liability. And therefore, they should have their own policy. But in California, our liquor liability, we're covering the service of it. So if any guests, our clients that purchase their own alcohol, we still provide their liquor liability. They're not required to. And the, the liability that we're taking as a, as a bar company, and again, it's probably different state to state, mm-hmm. as a bar company is not over serving people, serving people safely. And so that liability insurance is covering the guests only, like you said, not any of the employees or independent contractors. That doesn't matter. That's workman's comp that covers employees. But So our clients don't have to buy their own, but I, I charge for it every event because I pay for a yearly policy and um, instead of doing, instead of doing an event by event. Cause we yeah, do I do the same. Time. I do the same, but for the most part, the way that I understand it is liquor liability will cover my legal expenses for anything that might happen if we were to get sued, but it's not going to cover anyone who wasn't covered under liquor liability, which would be my 1099 bartenders. Um, yeah. they, they would have to have their own policy Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if they, they were to get yeah. spun up into it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I thought you meant the guests were were to need to have their own policy. No, no one's going to sue the guests. I don't exactly. think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stranger things have probably happened, but uh, but yeah. So I think one benefit aside from workers' comp is that as W two employees, they get coverage from they get coverage under your liquor liability insurance. 
the employee is fully protected. And in the world of events, we have a lot of moving parts and there are a lot of opportunities maybe where people could get hurt or things could go wrong. It makes me feel more comfortable to, to have the W-2 now. And just to have like, there's not anything a client, no matter how big the company that can reach out to me and I'm bulletproof. Every type of insurance you need, we got it. Like, so that's a relief too, to be able to just service any type of event. And we have partners that we license with if we need to do cash bars and stuff. I don't actually do the license under my own business. But um, that's another thing that's super hard for bar caterers in California. If you don't buy a restaurant or a bar, it's almost impossible to get a bar catering license. So you can do cash bars in public events. You have to have been in business 10 years. So I've just been in business 10 years. And now I'm going to see how, how difficult it is, which I'm sure it's going to be difficult to get a caterer's license based on the fact we've been in business for 10 years and never had any issues. Thank God we've never had to use workers comp. I've never had an accident on an event. I'm knocking on my wood table. But, but yeah, that's the, the whole licensing thing. I mean, I, I don't know why people get into our industry. Honestly, it's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Because we throw parties. Um, but the, so workers comp, <laughs> the workers comp is a whole other can of worms. Because once you get W-2, my biggest next issue was finding anyone to cover me for workers comp. I couldn't even... I had to be state fund for the first three years. The state fund is the most expensive place yeah. to get workers comp insurance. That's right. So for three years, I had to go with state fund to prove ourselves. And then finally, when I switched to ADP... They were able to find me a policy through a private carrier that was only a little bit better in terms of pricing. It's like it's funny. We're one of the a lower margin industry. Luckily, bar catering. We actually run a. I, I run a much higher margin than a restaurant or bar, just because my expenses are so much lower. But we don't have a huge margin business. You know what I'm saying? So the fact that we can't, like, hey, get this insurance. You have to do this and this and that. And all of a sudden, you go from. 35% profit margin down to 25, 20%. Like, and that's, that's horrible. So I, now I had to like double my revenue, which I did to make what I'm normally used to making. But like, if I double my revenue, I want to make double what I'm making. But right. <laughs> not the reality we live in, apparently. No, definitely. And it, it's only getting harder, you know, especially in this COVID era. I don't know what your overhead looks like, but I've had to pay rent and utilities for, for going on five months now with not a single event. And that's all coming out of the profit because that's the only account to take it from. I'm so blessed I had such a good year last year. We launched our event cinch software with Black Lab in 2019, and I did a 68% growth for Black Lab. I didn't hire anyone new. Little plug to the software. I love it. <laughs> That's I love it. it. And I moved to Colorado, so I don't even live in LA anymore. I'm sitting here in, in beautiful Colorado. I got over 15 years in LA. I'm from Texas originally. I, I had to get out, and I luckily I got a great team there to do all the production. But I do all the sales from here. But if I wouldn't have had the year I had last year, I probably would be out of business this year. And yeah. and and fortunately, our landlord worked with us, so we didn't pay rent for three months. And we're going to have to put that on the back end of our, our lease agreement uh, and figure out paying that once we come back. But she's been somewhat cool. And then we're paying a prorated rate now. And uh, if if I, I just started to book some events for the end of this year, which I was uncertain if we were going to have any parties this year at all. But I had about six months. I have about six months left. I just booked two events. So we got a little bit longer. But so... Uh, I'm hopeful, but the only last resort, I won't go out of business because I've always managed our costs pretty well, but I could move all my stuff into storage. I'm not under a, a lease on my kitchen, 
but I don't want to do that because then that puts a strain on my partner's catering and cafe, which we're helping pay that rent. And uh, so we're figuring it out. But yeah, it's it's been crazy and had had there's so many people that aren't going to be back next year because yeah. just a whole year being out of business is pretty tough. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, I don't know a lot of caterers that got PPP. And how does that help you if there's no events and no one to staff to pay the 60 or whatever, 70%? I don't even know. They change it every other week, it seems like. Right. I did the disaster relief loan and I didn't, I got a $10,000 basically grant. I didn't get the loan, but 10000 in free money, which really. And helped. you only got that because you had W2s. And I only got that. But I don't have to pay it back. So that's good. Yeah. So I only got that. And then personally, I had to file for the self-employment uh, unemployment. And that, okay. that, that helped me me personally. And then because with events, since we launched in January, we signed a few people up. And then until you signed up, we didn't sign anyone up. So February, March, April. So I'm covering the cost of a startup. My normal business that provides my normal income, there's no more income. It got a little fuzzy. As it does. But you know, as entrepreneurs and as ex-restaurateurs, that's like where that's our zone of genius. Throw it at us, you know, put us in the heat of the kitchen and a busy service and, and we will rise because that is uh, we do well under pressure, right? That's what we do. That's what we do. So the process of switching over 1099s to W2s, was that as simple as a conversation and here's some paperwork, please fill out? Yeah, it's pretty painless. You want to find a payroll processor first, usually uh, they'll be able to recommend maybe some workers' comp options for you. Again, like I said, you may have to go state fund in the beginning. You can sign up through the state fund website. It's pretty easy to do on your own. If you want to pay, most companies will do it like for 150 or 200 bucks and do it all for you. But right now, everyone probably needs to pinch pennies. It's not hard to do on your own. You go to the website and it's pretty easy. But once you get on payroll... Uh, depending on the company that you use, they'll help you get all the materials to send to your your staff. Obviously, your accounting team, you want to let know what's going on so that that now they're adding to the schedule about sending out W-2s. Unless you're with ADP, then that's all handled and, and the staff logs on into their account to get their own W-2s, which I recommend because, again, it's just like all that stuff. You have to have W-2s out by the end of January, and that becomes a whole other thing at the first of the year to have to take care of. So, you know me, I'm Mr. Automation. So I'd rather pay a little bit more and know that it's going to save me and in, in labor down the road with, with ADP. But it's, it's, it's not, it's not too hard. You just got to be prepared to, like I said, understand your margins, your costs are going to get cut. I had to up the price for my staff a little bit just to help make up for some of the loss and reevaluate your margins and see if you can expand margins anywhere else. Or, or operate at a lower margin and try to uh, turn more customers yep. to grow. And and I'll say that, that, so that's the easy part. One of the harder parts with me and Black Lab was scaling and understanding your growth and saving your money, especially with how we scaled and grew so much and then went to nothing this year. Right. And I actually did that off of another down year. So 2018 was a down year. I had a partner come out of the business. I was working on developing my software events since so I wasn't pushing marketing as hard. We only did a few hundred thousand in revenue and then came back with 68% growth in 2019 because I was now excited with my new fancy software <laughs> <laughs> to do a lot more marketing and stuff. But it's funny because it's every year I grow though, I don't I get better with selling my customers and customer service. And so I tend for the past few years do 200 to 250 events a year. 
Yeah. And I've grown my revenue just by like I partnered with a caterer and now I'm selling his food and I'm making 20% on the service fee for organizing it all. And right. just adding in as many other services as I can to up the price per customer. Because as we all know, it's much easy to, it's much less expensive to sell a current customer more yeah. and also make them a repeat customer than to go out and find new customers. Acquisition cost for us is tough because we're looking for specific people now with Facebook and Instagram ads and the fact that you can target people that just switch to engage and all that, it makes it a little bit easier, but totally. yeah. <laughs> a lot. So much. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think that having our, our staff is our lifeline. And so we want to make sure that we are doing what's right in that whole realm of getting them paid correctly, providing them with proper documentation, employee handbooks. And you mentioned ADP already does that. I or you said yeah ADP. I use Square, and they're it's like twenty nine dollars a month. Super easy to to run payroll. They text me in the morning of the day that it's due. They send me an email to remind me that they texted me that it's due. But I, I'm a little bit less, I guess, scared of that process because I did payroll for five restaurants, three hundred and fifty employees for like five years. So like payroll does not wow. scare me, but yeah. it might if if other people are just kind of like stepping into this to the realm that's not that hard though when we first started i did it uh, i mean i did it myself now we have an hr person that helps us that does all that but even with the the squares and the the kind of platforms that are a little more cost effective they may not have as much features or support but like perfect for growing businesses yeah i don't think it's too hard just if does the square have a good clock in out system for your staff so I don't use, I'm a little bit of, the members know this, but I don't have them do hours. I give them shift pay. So it's easier for me, but also it's easier for them because they're not having to like, they arrive on site and they immediately start. And, they, and then I don't have to worry about the, oh shoot, I forgot to clock in for the first half hour or whatever it is, which is what I used to have to deal with when I was doing payroll was at the end of the week, you'd be looking at someone and you're like, there's no way that they only worked an hour. And then you've got to reach out to them and be like, Hey, like what happened with your times here? And they're like, Oh, I forgot to clock in. And it's like, okay, that's annoying. So I give shift pay. I don't care when they, they get there, when they leave, but if they know they're going to walk away with at least the solid amount of money. And so it's easy for me to, to just plug those in based on like, well, they've worked the state, the state, the state. And I know that those shift pay for those days for that. So I do it in that form, but yes, Square does have the ability to, clock in and out, you would just have to have someone, probably a lead bartender there with that on their phone. So people could clock in and out when they got there. Yeah. Okay. I use Homebase. ADP does offer scheduling. I just haven't switched yet because I really like Homebase. Have you heard of them? I have. I've tested them. They have way more bells and whistles than I need. A lot of a lot of restaurants and stuff use them. Yeah, staffing is a big big part of my business. So I, where I'm a little bit different than than you. Bars the biggest focus, but I have plenty of clients that have just staff, and I staff servers, bartenders, barbacks, security people. So that was one way that we we grew. Black Lab was growing our staffing division. So I like the bells and whistles with with home base because like this morning with this last minute event, I was able just to put out a shift to I have like. 60 some odd people on payroll, they all get, if you tag the shift, the role. Mm-hmm. So it'll only hit up the people that qualify for that role and all of that fun stuff. And then it geo tags. So when they're clocking in and out at the event, they're trying funny business and running late. Cause I do pay hourly and I'm not as nice as you. I want them there. I don't pay them <laughs> for the time that they're there. 
And, and I'll do drive time and stuff like that for longer events. I'll throw that into the set rate. Be like, well, okay, this one's out in Santa Barbara. So everyone gets an extra 40, 50 bucks for, for, for drive time and gas and stuff and do that that way. But yeah, with the hourly. So, and it is a thing I have, luckily I don't have to mess with it. So I guess maybe that's why I don't mind, but my Sonny and, and, and Nicole, my people, my girls who run the payroll have to go and be like, dude, you forgot to clock in and out, but it geo tags <laughs> them. So if they're funny business trying to clock in on their way to the event and running late, we're in the know. Not that I won't, like if they were pulling up and we know that, then like, I'm not that big of a jerk or <laughs> a Scrooge. My staff loves me. They know I'm really giving, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it is more of a pain in the butt to do it that way Yeah, <laughs> because of, because of people always forget to clock in and out. They do. I mean, and that's one of the reasons I, I'm one of those people. I just, I get there and I get to work and, and yeah. like clocking in and out was never a priority for me. It was just like, Hey, I'm here, let's get to work. And so, yeah, I was never very good at it. So I don't want to make my, my staff do it. The thing is with home base too, they even get text reminders. You're running late for your shift. You haven't clocked in yet. But in LA, <laughs> yeah. a, lot, and a lot of the work we do is in Malibu and they may not have service, which they can still clock in and out without service, but then the text may not come through in the reminders. But still, no matter what. And I was the same way. So I don't get, I can't, it's hard for me to get mad at them too. I was <laughs> right. I always forget to clock in and out. Totally. To the point they put me on salary. Maybe that was why they made me a manager. Right. They're like, let's stop dealing with all of these the clock in errors. I use when I work, which is very similar to home, pay, home base, which I think is what you said you use. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have as many bells and whistles at this time. Or the plan that I have chosen doesn't use as many of the bells and whistles. But it is super easy to post a shift. People can pull it down, they get notifications. I can do it based on lead bartender or bartender or bar back, that type of thing. And if they qualify, if they're a barista and that's part of like what they are set up to do, they can pull those shifts down. And so that's it does... Cool. I haven't heard of that platform. It's super, it super easy. It's a little bit What's less expensive. When I work. Oh, when I work. Yeah. And then for workers' comp, I almost had to go to the state-funded. And then I found this company called Pi, P-I-E. And they were able to get me workers' comp for relatively inexpensive comparatively. They even just sent me a, a refund check because I had anticipated I'd spend more on payroll than I actually did. Yeah, we've got we got some refund checks as well. <laughs> I'm yeah. typing in Pi as well though, because uh, I like less expensive. P-I-E-E, you said? Just P-I-E. Yep, uh, Pi. Pi workers count. Got to get all those business hacks. I mean, yeah. new software coming out every day. It's hard to get. I'm one of those. Oh. Guys, as you know. <laughs> yeah, and me too. You want a software you, recommendation. Yeah. I've probably tried a few of them. <laughs> I love it. Hey, but if you're if you're honestly, if you're not always trying to improve your business and trying new things, then you're going out of business, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we did an informal plug for Events Inch. It is a website that allows you to put all of your pricing and packaging information online. I am currently testing it on the Bar Magnolia website. So anyone who's interested can uh, take a peek, barmagnolia.com. I will maybe even send out... Because I'm, I'm, I'm changing the way that I have it online. So I may actually send out a link to the members to take a peek at it it on a private page because otherwise you're going to have to submit an inquiry to see it shortly. And I don't want all your inquiries. Sorry guys. I know. Some I can you give s- you a link to all the templates we have on the event. Ah, yeah, that's perfect. Well. perfect. Shop and uh, it's dot shop. Then com. dot shop. If you do com, it takes you to the login page, but anyway, Vincent's dot shop. And then you can go to templates and go to bar and catering 
And so, yeah, like you said, I got tired of doing a proposal for tons of clients as I started to try to grow. And when, when our margins went down, especially I needed to book more clients and be able to sell them more. And I just got tired of the time. It was the biggest ways time suck for me was doing proposals, regardless if they booked or not, just the back and forth process. The ones that didn't book, obviously that sucks because it's a waste of time, an hour probably on average per, per proposal or, or close to it. And I know some, we have a common friend that used to take a lot longer than that for proposals. <laughs> Luckily, she's getting that sorted out. But um, yeah, so I looked I looked at all the different e-commerce type of things. And what I wanted was a, a, a space that a client and an event planner could work where a client could come to their website, look at their pricing. So basically what we do is you can put in your event location when you pull up a package like on, on your website or on my website. You put in your guest count, the date, all that prelim event information. And then our software is made to where you can program all your catering, all your bar, all your staffing to calculate off the guest count and the time frame. So like our price per person function, it'll scale out. You can say zero to 24 people is 15 bucks. And then 25 to 49 people is 1450 and scale down as the, as the head count goes up like we do. With staffing, you can pad in like for a package uh, if you do a package with bar rentals and a bunch of stuff, you can say, all right, this staff needs to be here two hours before we're set up and leave an hour after. So when when a customer comes to your site and puts my, you know, my events from six to ten, it's gonna bill that hourly rate for that staff member or all the staff members involved in that package from four to eleven. So that it adds that prep time and all those just little hacks. And as you know, it's still a work in progress. Trying to sell something as complicated with an event as an event from your website with as little interaction with a client, it's, it's been a challenge to figure it out. And something that as before we came on, I was telling you, I, we work on every day. I'm, I'm pressing Sarah. I'm like, I want your advice. How can we make it better? <laughs> we yeah. we got to be better because there is that little learning curve that your customers have. And even that like you as an event pro have what we've never had the opportunity to sell from our website or offer instant pricing really. So it, it, there's some trial and error, but with black lab, like I told you before we came on, I, I had a big week this week. I, I brought in about 30K and I didn't do a single proposal. Everything came off my website. And then I screen share with my clients. That's the key to my success. So I get on there once it's a saved event. I email them within minutes. It's it's triggered as we as we discussed with my CRM. So it says, hey, we're super stoked that you, you saved the package and, and we want to work with you. Let's set up a call. We'll screen share. We'll go through that. And and sometimes I'll, I'll they'll be in this package, and then I'll be able to upsell them to a premium. I'm like, hold on, let's just take a look at this package over here because it seems like you want some goose and some other things. And uh, but it gives you that opportunity. And then after that call, it's done. And and I love doing the call too because I show my clients really how to use the software as well. So now there's no more million emails back and forth saying, well, how much is it to add this or how much is it if you take away this? It's just they have their own login their own portal. And the cool thing about it is like with me and my partner, we're two separate companies. Uh, he's a partner in my bar company, but then he has his own individual catering company that I'm not partnered into at all. So we have our own individual packages. And I also have packages with his stuff on my site. But if a client goes through him for food and then comes to me for bar, and then they log into EventSense, both their proposals for him and I are there because we're both on the centralized system. So a cool thing we're working with is uh, we're in conversations with two of the biggest rental companies in LA. So now that's a big thing. I upsell rentals in my packages because I get a 10% kickback from my rental company. And then I charge a 20% service fee on anything I do for a client. So that's 30% 
I have no cost that I carry on that, right? I don't have to inventory rentals and have them sit on the shelf. Like, so that's great, easy money. And now they're all in my packages. So someone does a premium bar package with a premium bar and back bar. And you, you and I know a lot of your customers are, have the mobile trailers and stuff, yeah. which I wish I had someday. <laughs> Uh, well, you're in LA, and so anyone, any mobile bar owner who is in LA, uh, reach out to Joel, and maybe you guys can do a rental agreement. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, and, and any bar caterer that comes on, especially in SoCal now, because those are the rental companies, they'll be able to have like instant access to the inventory from that rental company. Because now, what's the process? I got to call the rental company, check availability, check pricing, all right. of that. So, all I mean, I'm an event planner first, right? 10 years in it. And so I just, everything we do at events is just trying to make our lives easier and not in a way that some software engineer is developing, thinking he knows what we need. It's what I know that we need based on my experience. And then everyone who's willing to talk to me and uh, share my email or something on this, because I love it. Even if you don't want the software, (laughs) tell me how I can make it better. Criticize it. Yeah. So that's that's What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Joel at eventcinch.com. Email me. J-O-E-L at E-V-E-N-T-C-I-N-C-H dot com. And seriously, any questions about software, tech, events, catering, bar? I love it. I love helping people. I'm a hospitality kid at heart. Absolutely. You've only been super helpful and awesome to connect with. Uh, All of our conversations have been amazing. And uh, I am super excited to be in with EventsInch to test it out, especially during beta, because I am a software nerd and I do love to be in on ground floors of things. And, uh, you are an early adopter. <laughs> I am. And I love being able to provide feedback directly to the CEO so that... Uh, I mean, you even um, completely white-labeled my portal, which was the first time you had done that. Uh, yeah, you gave me you, my you colors and my a logo. New yeah. <laughs> so and that's you, how we work. We develop something for one person and everyone gets the benefit. So as we bring more, because uh, we're, we're early stage startup, I have pretty, I've had offers to, to give us investment, but I'm, I, I want to build a team. I know that's our key to success. So I don't know if it's foolishly turned down money. I feel like it was pretty smart, but um, we're building our team, having early adopters like you, like Darcy, who we both both know and work Darcy with. Darcy from Hottie Bros. Hottie uh, Bros. If you amazing. want an awesome bar Airstream air in LA. Yeah. I, I though, and the great thing about us, she called me originally. She's like client number two for since Before we even launched, she's found us through my Black Lab website. It was like, how do you do these packages? I need this. <laughs> she's like, I promise I'm, I'm a small little company. I won't be competition to you because we're both in LA. I'm like, girl, there are so many events in LA. We are not competition to each other. We can <laughs> only right. help Amen. each other out. That's how I feel about it. And so bar caterers unite because I pass business now to Darcy. She passes business to me and they'll, we'll promote each other because we both have our own little takes on what we do and our kind of specialties. But so she came on and inspired actually a lot of changes. She gave us a lot of feedback because she came on super early where, where we had a lot of stuff already in the, in the works that we needed. But, but then you, you, we did this, this uh, feature. So now you can customize your shop so it looks more like your website when you go into it from your website. Yeah. Uh, I got to pick my my fonts and my colors and my logos on there now. And and I know the UA is going to get better. It's a li- as you as you had mentioned, just to give everyone like it's a little utilitarian at the moment, but it gets the job done. Yeah, you know, we wanted to make it functional first because like the last thing I want 
is to cause anyone from missing business. And like we had a little bug where those emails weren't kicking to you. And like, oh, okay, we got to fix that straight away. Like those are the things that I always make sure we have budget because I want to make sure the last thing I want to do is da- I damage anyone's business. I want everyone to have the success I've had with it. Like I said, huge growth, yeah. didn't hire anyone. Costs went down, profits went up. And especially now with bouncing back from COVID, we took uh, one of our clients, I love her, Regina Sugar Branch Events. She's a high-end wedding planner and she's dying this year. So she's like, Joel, I want to launch a new business called SoCal Micro Weddings. This is the trend. And it really is because now it's all I'm booking is micro weddings. I'm building a whole new site for her. We'll launch it in the next few weeks. And uh, so keep an eye out for it. But everything's package-driven. You can still customize. Right when you come in, we made with our software a wedding calculator. You can do event calculators for your site, which is a tool that the Knot uses. And, and that's what I'm about. I want to give the small people that with the knowledge that have the businesses, because events is a fragmented industry with a lot of small businesses that make up a $240 billion huge pie. I want them to have the same tools as the Knot and Wedding Wired and the multi-million dollar tech companies. Like a cost calculator is a great honey trap for an event producer. The first thing people wonder when they want to plan an event is how much is all this going to cost me? And and what can I have versus the cost? So with her wedding cost calculator, you can go through and we use national averages for just the demo one, but she's going to make it specific to her vendors. Mm -hmm. So you can pick out an outdoor like government venue, like a park or something or a forest area or a sensible venue, standard luxury and and then go through and go through catering here's what like a food truck versus a buffet versus family style versus a plated dinner and then the bar here's what a full bar versus a limited bar versus beer and wine and rentals and so on and so forth so and i think it's probably a dozen clicks or less you can have a full roadmap of your wedding and how much all of that costs and i actually created it for our cto paul because he's engaged he's like <laughs> how much is all this going to cost i'm like you're our CTO. You write the software, but he doesn't know. He writes the software. He's a, he's, a, he's a web developer. He doesn't know about wedding costs. So I was like, oh yeah, event cinch would work to make a calculator. So it's cool because we're finding all these applications we really didn't think of right. for the software. And essentially what we're doing is we're creating bulk ordering and, and making it in a way that it's digestible for the end consumer. So um, it's it. been a wild, wild ride. <laughs> well, Jill, this has been awesome. I'm super excited to continue on using EventSinch. I'm really appreciative of a firsthand account of the importance of transitioning those 1099s to W-2s. It's not about whether it'll be required nationwide. In my opinion, it's when. And if we can kind of transition over sooner rather than later, I think it'll protect our tiny little businesses from giant Finds and so yours was a, a wonderful story to hear as as uh, word to the wise, I guess. Yeah, and I will just say, try to stay ahead of it. Don't get audited like me. If you hear of a colleague getting audited by the ED and you haven't yet, know that you will be shortly because yeah. now they're in your area. They're they're looking. So just get it. Try to get it done before the fines and all that come because it's mm-hmm. it's a lot less expensive of a process. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Joel. Well, thanks for having me. This was fun and I'll be love to come on anytime you want to have me and talk shop. I love it. Yeah. We'll definitely have you back. (laughs) Awesome. And that wraps up today's episode. I hope it was valuable. I would love to hear from you what you thought. 
You can drop me a line at hello at mobilebevpros.com or find me on Instagram at mobilebevpros. If you're looking for more valuable mobile bar related content, we have a website full of it. You can find us at www.mobilebevpros.com. And I'd love to see you in our Facebook community, also by the name of, you guessed it, Mobile Bev Pros. Thank you for joining me today. And until next time, cheers.